thank you for listening to the Coal Mine Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's June 2021. At a recent convention held here in Dallas, a prominent speaker associated with the Q phenomenon claimed that President Trump would be reinstated later this year. Spoiler alert, he won't be. This episode examines the relevant constitutional provisions that address the issue of presidential succession and refute this claim of reinstatement to office. At the recent God and Country Patriot Roundup convention in Dallas, Sidney Powell has been widely quoted as saying, it should be that he can simply be reinstated, that a new inauguration day is set. She and other public faces of the Q phenomenon have made statements like this in reference to the ongoing review in Arizona of ballots from its 2020 election of presidential electors, as well as other proposed reviews of similar elections in other states. The claim is that these reviews will show significant voter fraud, leading to the removal of President Biden and Vice President Harris and the reinstatement of Donald Trump as president. And while he is not often mentioned in this claim, presumably Mike Pence is vice president as well. The claim is false in every respect. The Arizona audit has been widely criticized for problems with its methodology and its retention of the relevant records. Dozens of courts rejected claims about misconduct in the 2020 election and libel litigation that has been brought by voting machine manufacturers since the election has not produced any serious factual defense of these claims of fraud. And as this episode will examine, these audits as a matter of law cannot produce the reinstatement of anyone to public office. First, and most basically, there is not a direct election in the United States for the offices of president or vice president. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution says, as to the election of president and vice president, each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. We implement that command today by having a vote on Election Day in each state for a slate of electors. You actually click on the ballot the names of presidential candidates, but what in fact happens is those names correspond to a list of electors that has been prepared in advance, one that would vote for a certain candidate, one that would vote for another. Then, pursuant to other federal laws, The electors in each state then meet, they vote, and they transmit their votes to Washington for counting and the selection of a final winner. The election litigation that we remember from the 2020 election involved the process by which the key battleground states put their votes together and then certified them as a final total, and the January 6th riot took place in Washington when the Senate formally received and tallied those votes from the different states. The relevance of this provision for the claim of reinstatement is that there is nothing meaningful to reinstate under these laws. The elections being reviewed are for a slate of electors. The only purpose under the law for those electors to exist and do anything was to take certain specific acts in December of 2020. It is impossible for anyone to go back in time to December of 2020, and thus it is impossible to reinstate a group of electors for the purpose of doing exactly that. I mentioned the 12th Amendment just now. That sets the stage for the second reason there cannot be a reinstatement, which is the language of the 20th Amendment to our Constitution. 
A little more background frames the current constitutional language. The original 1791 Constitution was not a perfect document. It infamously, for example, accounted slaves as three-fifths of a person for determining representation in Congress. The 14th Amendment removed that provision after the Civil War. And the provisions in the original Constitution for the handling of presidential elections were in many respects awkward and impractical. It originally, for example, gave the office of president to the candidate who got the most electoral votes and then the office of vice president to the person who got the second most. Twelfth Amendment, made famous by the musical Hamilton and the mutual dislike that Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr had for each other, changed that to the system we have today where the president and vice president are on the same slate. Fast forward to 1933. At that time, the so-called lame duck period between Election Day and the inauguration of the new president ran from November all the way to March. The election of Franklin Roosevelt and his promised New Deal was thus delayed for a number of weeks while the Great Depression was inflicting hardship throughout the country and the unpopular Herbert Hoover was widely seen as not being up to the challenge. Other administrations had had similar problems in the past, Lincoln's in particular, but this was the last straw and the 20th Amendment was proposed and ratified in response to this extended delay in 1933. The terms could not be clearer. Section 1 of the 20th Amendment says that the terms of the President and Vice Vice President shall end at noon on the 20th day of January, and it goes on to say, after discussing when congressional terms begin, that the terms of their successors shall then begin. Two events happen the same day. The president and vice president's terms end, and their successor, as chosen under the process by which we choose electors and count those votes, shall then begin. It's a one-time event. No do-over, no reinstatement provision. It simply happens once, and we move on. Under the plain text of the relevant constitutional provision, then, even if it were possible to have a reinstatement, it is not allowed by the text of the relevant provision. Looking outside the Constitution... Could there be a great political outcry about widespread fraud that leads to a demand for resignation? In theory, of course. But the outcome would not be what advocates of reinstatement suggest. If President Biden were to resign, Vice President Harris would take office. If they both were to resign, then under the current presidential succession law, who would become our new president? Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and then there are a number of other people down the line from there. There is an elaborate structure in place, the result of concerns during the Cold War about nuclear attack having a substantial effect on our national leadership, that places people in line in the event of vacancies in the White House and the Office of Vice President. It runs all the way through the cabinet, leaving no place for any sort of reinstatement by past candidates. Could the Constitution be amended to, in some way, change the outcome of the 2020 election? Again, in theory, of course. But it's not happening this year. By design, just as the impeachment process is very difficult to carry out against a sitting or former president, the amendment process is even more difficult. Two-thirds of both houses of Congress must agree on the language of a proposed amendment for it to even go out for consideration. And then three-fourths of state legislatures must approve that language for it to become a binding amendment to our Constitution. It has been done few times in our nation's history. It has only been done when a substantial problem has been perceived as to which there is a widespread consensus, and a highly partisan election is simply not the sort of thing that is going to give rise to that and certainly will not give rise to it anytime soon. 
And of course, the irony of even discussing a constitutional amendment related to the outcome of a specific election is that it is inconsistent with the concept of democracy laid out in our Constitution. We have three branches of government. We have detailed provisions for how the people that fill those offices are going to be chosen, and it has served us well for over two centuries. Going back and changing that framework for a particular election, a particular outcome, or worse yet, having a riot about it like we saw in January in our nation's capital, are not consistent with the ideas of democracy and representative government sketched out in that document. People who advocate this kind of radical change in the name of democracy are not using that term in the way that the Constitution defines it and has successfully implemented it for so long in our nation's history. Today on Coal Mind, we traveled through history to examine the Constitution's provisions about when and how a president takes office, and we saw that claims about the reinstatement of Donald Trump to the office of president are not well taken. You can follow this podcast on any of the main national directories, and if you like it, I encourage you to join other happy listeners and leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.